0: This is the Mahabharata Podcast, Episode 70, Kurukshetra Day 13, The Death of Abhimanyu. Last time, the Karvas responded to the fall of Bhishma by appointing their former arms instructor, the Brahmin Drona, to be their new commander-in-chief. Before the fighting really got started, Sanjay suddenly announced that Drona was killed. It turned out that this was jumping ahead a few days, because when he got down to describing Drona's death in detail... We found out that at least two full days of fighting took place with Drona in command, and he's still perfectly alive. Drona's objective for the past two days was to capture Yudhishthira alive. Duryodhana's plan was to avoid Arjun's vengeance by capturing Yudhishthira, gambling with him some more and sending them back to their old haunts in the forest. They failed to capture Yudhishthira because Arjun kept intervening and driving off the would-be kidnappers. The Kauravas tried to rectify this on the 12th day. By sending a large portion of their army on a suicide mission, the Trigartas volunteered to challenge Arjun to a separate duel where they would distract him while Drona captured Yudhishthira. But somehow Arjun managed to both meet the challenge, slaughter half the Trigartas, and still made it back in time to protect his brother. So now, on the morning of the 13th day, the Karvas were desperate for a new plan. One half of the Trigartas remained alive, so they would continue on with the job of distracting Arjun but Drona needed to step up his game. Sanjay says that Duryodhana was furious at the failure of his plans, but he tried to remain polite as he spoke with Drona. He said, I must be missing something here. I've seen you fight all kinds of heroes, and you always defeated them. But yesterday I saw you within inches of grabbing Yudhishthira, but somehow you couldn't take him. It makes me wonder how serious you are about this mission. Do you truly intend to capture him? Drona was deeply shamed by his master's lack of confidence. He said, I thought you would have had more faith in me than that. You should know by now that as long as he is protected by Krishna and Arjuna, we cannot touch him. But never fear, we shall again distract them with our suicide squad, and I shall array our forces such that not even the gods could breach it." Drona then organized their army in the shape of a vast wheel, with princes holding the positions of the spokes, and Drona at the front. With Arjuna busy elsewhere, Yudhishthira led the charge against Drona's formation but he and his remaining brothers were easily beaten back. Yumna, Setyaki, Gatukkacha, and all their allies were unable to breach Drona's formation, and they were all beaten back. In desperation, Yudhishthira summoned his heroic nephew Abhimanyu, Arjuna's son. He said to the boy, Only you, Krishna and Arjuna, can breach this car of a wheel. But your uncles cannot help us now, so this leaves only you who can save us. Abhimanyu replied, Victory for my fathers is all I desire. My father taught me the secret for destroying this formation, but I am afraid that if something goes wrong, I might not be able to get out again. Yudhishthira said, You just break through, and we will follow in behind you. So you just worry about your objective, and we will take care of the rest. Bhim, Setyaki and Drisidhyumna all pledged to stay at the boy's side as he made this maneuver. Abhimanyu called to his charioteer, Drive on, Sumitra. Take me to Drones formation. The sutta Sumitra wasn't so confident as his master. He said, Your uncles have laid a heavy burden on your young shoulders. Please consider. Drona taught you everything. He is an expert in war, and you do not have his experience. Abhimanyu laughed at this. He said, Who do you think he is? Even if you are greater than Indra and the whole host of gods, I would face him and hold my ground. You can be sure that even if I faced Vishnu, who cannot be defeated, still I would not be afraid. With that, the pair led the charge against Drona's impenetrable formation. The boy smashed into the enemy, with his uncles following behind, scattering Karva heroes as he went. Once again, many pages are filled with the heroic antics of Arjuna's famous son. But you've heard plenty of this already, so I'll skip ahead. Basically, Abhimanyu shattered Drona's wheel formation, and the warriors on both sides were amazed. As the boy warrior dueled with one or another Karva, the others all oohed and aahed at his heroics. In amazement, Drona said, Wow, how proud his uncles must be to see him covered in such glory. It is strange that he hasn't already defeated us all. Unfortunately, Duryodhana overheard him saying this and he blew his top. He said, How nice. My commander is in love with our biggest enemy. How many of our kings and princes have been killed because you are holding back. And everyone thinks Abimanyi survives by his own valor. Now stop wasting time and crush him. Dushasan, always eager to please his older brother, said, Let me be the one who kills him. When Arjun and Krishna hear of Abhimanyu's death, they too will die of sorrow and shame. Dushasan then charged at the boy wonder, who deftly parried each of his attacks. Abhimanyu taunted his cousin, saying, I know this proud hero. I recall his rude speech and his insults. Come to me now so I may punish you for having insulted King Yudhishthira and stealing his kingdom. For your lawless passion, your greed, treachery, and violence, come out now and reap your terrible reward." Dushasan made one more attack and received a body full of arrows. Knocked flat and bleeding, his driver carried him off the field. Karna then produced two of his brothers, both unnamed, and the three of them all attacked young Abhimanyu. The boy first disabled Karna, then beheaded both of his brothers. As Karna was hauled away unconscious, Abhimanyu broke their ranks and entered deep into the enemy's formation, leaving his kinsmen far behind in the process. While his opponents all suffered dearly, Abhimanyu was not without injuries of his own. He had arrows sticking out of his armor on all sides, and the heads dug into his flesh, but he was too energized to notice. Sanjai told Dhritarashtra, The cries of his countless noble victims combined into a grim chorus that struck terror into our hearts. But Subhadra's son continued to rage through his foes like fire consuming a forest of dead trees, until he approached the very center of the formation. He appeared here, then there, and in seconds he wheeled through every point in the compass. For a moment I glimpsed him once again, risen like the midday sun, son of the son of Indra, Indra he became. That day, in the heat of the fray, Abhimanyu blazed, and hot were the fires in which his enemies burned. Abhimanyu then killed Shalya's eldest son in heir. He also killed Duryodhana's son, Lakshman. Growing desperate, Karna said to Drona, we can't hold out much longer, tell us how to beat this boy. Dron thought a while and then said, Mounted with the bow in his hand, he cannot be beaten by man nor god. But take away his bow and his wheels and you will stop him. These seasoned warriors realized that they needed a stratagem if they hoped to beat this boy. They would have to work together, isolate him from his allies, and gang up on him all at once. Jayadratta of Sindh decided now was a time to call on that special boon that Shiva had granted him back in the Book of the Forest. Remember, after he tried to kidnap Draupadi and got caught and humiliated by the Pandavas, he is too shamed to return home. Instead, Jayadratha had propitiated Shiva for the power to kill the Pandavas. But all Shiva could offer was the ability to slow them down for just a little bit, but not Arjun. So now Jayadratha decided it was time to call on Shiva and to keep the Pandavas at bay. So Jayadratha rode off to attack the Pandavas, holding them off at a distance, While Drona and Karna put the second part of their plan into action. Laying a sort of ambush on the boy, Ashvatama dueled with him, while Drona methodically shot and killed his horses and destroyed his chariot. At the same time, Karna shot out the boy's bow. Abhimanyu leapt off his crashed chariot and came flying down, sword and shield in hand, but Drona shattered his sword while Karna destroyed his shield. Disarmed and prickling with arrows, the boy landed on his feet. Without any weapons, He seized a chariot wheel and ran toward Drona with murder in his eyes. Sanjay said, With the wheel in his hands, raised above his head, for a moment he looked just like Krishna himself. In the midst of that gathering of kings, his might was without parallel. But it was only a moment, because then the wheel too was blasted from his hands. Again and again, Drona, Karna, and Ashvataman fired arrows into the defenseless boy. But he wasn't done yet. Tottering, Abhimanyu picked up a fallen mace and lunged at his nearest tormentor. The boy smashed Ashvataman's chariot, killing his horse and driver. But Dushasan's son, simply called Dushasani, intervened with his own mace. The pair of second cousins traded blows, but by now Abhimanyu was weak with blood loss and hampered by the thicket of arrows and darts sticking out of him. Exchanging blow for blow, both fighters were knocked to the ground. Tragically, it was Dal Shasani who was the first to recover. And he brought his cudgel, smashing down on Abhimanyu's head as the boy tottered to his feet. He reeled from the blow, then fell to the ground, dead. Sanjay said, My lord, so it was that one died at the hands of many. One warrior who had trampled our army now lay in the splendor of death, like a mighty elephant killed by hunters. Your soldiers stood in a circle where he fell. His face glowed like the full moon, his eyes hidden behind dark locks of hair. My lord, we celebrated it as tears fell from the eyes of our enemies. Six of your fighters, Drona and Karna chief among them, had cut this lone boy to the ground in what I consider a sinful way. Yet how beautiful the rich earth looked as it cradled that dead hero. Sanjay went on, The Pandavas looked at the broken figure of Abhimanyu, who had once been as bright as the sun and the moon, and they were struck down with sorrow. But to your side, my king, how sweet a sight was his corpse. Seeking to reassure his downcast supporters, Yudhishthira addressed his men. He said, Here is a hero who has left for paradise. He preferred death to retreat. But take heart, because with his loss we shall win this war and overcome our traitors. The bard also has something to say about this sad story. Our narrator says, So it was that in the ecstasy of battle, Abhimanyu fought and killed thousands of princely foes, and then passed on. Thousands of chariots and horses and elephants and men all fell before him, and although he died young, he is not to be mourned. What he did was holy, and when he died, he left for the paradise only found by the pure in heart, deed, and soul. Then Sanjay said, We had killed their champion, but we still felt the wounds where his arrows had struck us and we returned to our camp at the end of the day, soaked in blood. So immense was the slaughter that day, that it was as if city upon city had been slain by raiders, thick with broken chariots, dead horses and riders, clothed in fallen jewelry and fabrics, torn out tongues, teeth, bowels and eyeballs, the earth bore an appalling bounty. Then came dogs and jackals, crows, vultures and hyenas, all bristling with pleasure. A throng of ghosts added to the horrors. And still, men looked upon that supreme warrior, all his great and worthy decorations now stripped and ruined. Abhimanyu, Indra's equal, lie dead on the field of battle. Back at Yudhishthira's tent, the king of the Pandavas was stricken with sorrow and guilt. He lamented that he had sent his brother's young son, unprotected, into an ambush. He said, Abhimanyu is dead, so how can I look my brother in the eye? How will I face Supadra when she comes looking for her son? Should I lie to Krishna about what really happened to his cherished nephew? But it was I who caused this calamity. I wish I could lay down by his side on his funeral pyre rather than face my brother who trusted me to care for his son. But the price the Karvas will pay for this will be complete destruction. The Karvas will be swept away by the fury Arjun will have over the treacherous death of his son. That petty tyrant Duryodhana will see the annihilation of his friends before losing his own life. The Pandava must have been in pretty bad shape, because the sage Vyasa, the author of our story, showed up at just this moment. Yudhishthira greeted his ancestor with due respect, and then complained to him, saying, Abhimanyu is dead. He was killed by a band of mighty Karva bowmen. I sent him forward to clear the way for the rest of us, and he charged ahead without concern for his life. But then the king of Sind blocked the rest of us while the boy was cruelly cut down in an ambush. The unfairness of it burns my heart with grief. I can find no peace of mind. Whether I win this war, gain immortality, or live among the gods, nothing will bring me joy again. A light has gone out in the world. I have seen the son of the son of Indra struck down before me. A child was killed before he could show his true greatness. Vyasa comforted his grandson, saying, My son, men like you do not shrink in the face of calamity. It is the natural course of things for a warrior to slay his foes and then to go on to dwell in paradise. Abhimanyu had fulfilled his life's purpose and achieved things beyond his years. Death is the end of all beings. Even the gods and Asuras must eventually die. This seemed to snap him out of his funk somewhat because Yudhishthira became philosophical. He asked the sage why death had to take the lives of young and old, good and bad. Vyasa replied with the story. Unfortunately, it wasn't a very good story. It is more complicated than it is interesting. Here's the gist of it. He began by telling about a king named Akampana, who suffered the death of his son in battle. This king was heartbroken, so the sage Narada came by and told him a story. Narada's story was about Brahma at the beginning of time, and frankly, it just barely makes sense. To explain the nature of death, Narada said that Brahma first created the world but then somehow got worried that the life he had created was burgeoning out of control. Brahma's anxiety turned to anger, and he flared up with fire and began to burn up the world and everything in it. The god Shiva prostrated himself before Brahma and begged him to stop his destruction. Brahma, after all, is the creator, not the destroyer. So Brahma relented somewhat, and out of his eyes and ears sprang a dark woman called Death, Brahma instructed this woman, his daughter, that her job was to take the life away from living creatures. The poor girl was very reluctant to take on the job. She cried and her tears fell like rain. Brahma promised her it would just be a job to do and she wouldn't have to worry about incurring bad karma for her actions. But still, Death was not happy with her new job. Instead of taking up her duties, she went to the mountains and spent eons in penance and meditation. Finally, Brahma reassured her that she would incur no sin by doing this duty, and that Yama and disease would be there to help out. He took her tears and sprinkled them over the earth. They became the countless diseases that take men to their graves. Finally, death consented. She said, Father, if it is I who must do this, then may it never be done without me. So that I may be blameless, let it be that the greed, malice, rage, envy, and hubris that reside in men's hearts be the cause of their destruction. Narada concluded his story saying death felt love and anger but she set them aside now she takes the breath from the living without passion death comes as the illness within us and our own base nature so release your grief death visits everyone when their time is done thus it is for all living things this strange story was enough to satisfy Akampana and it also worked for Yudhishthira Vyasa said now make firm your resolve son of Pandu Cast away your sorrow, don your armor, and go forth with your brothers to battle. This ends Day 13 of the Great War. I guess 13 isn't a very lucky number in India either. Next time, we'll take a brief hiatus from all the fighting, as Arjun and his wife Supadra react to the news of their son's death. Thanks for listening.